Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 15 of our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We are dedicating this show to Mike Malloy, Pat Malloy's father, who has recently passed away, so for Pat, and the Malloy family, uh, this is for you, a great contributor to our show. So as we get into segment one, we're going to talk about uh, the Americans who won gold. But we're going to specifically talk about players and, you know, not only what they did at this tournament, but how this may you know impact them moving forward, looking at, you know, the past and the future in one lump sum. Right off the hop, Brad, we should talk about Gavin Brindley because... Not only him, but that line really was, I thought, the straw that stirred the drink for the Americans because what they brought, and specifically what Gavin Brindley brought, was pace, energy, tenacity, passion, and they set the bar for the rest of the lines of what they needed to bring every shift. Now, each line was a little bit different and had different skill sets, but it's so contagious when he's on the ice because he's just a whirling dervish of, of energy. And he's just so tenacious, whether he has the puck or not, and fearless when he has the puck, considering, I mean, he's not the tallest guy, but he's built like a fire hydrant. And I thought overall throughout this tournament, yeah, 10 points in seven games and six goals. I thought he was one of the catalysts for Team USA in terms of this is how we're going to play and this is how we're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. He's the initial uh, the initial switch for for the states, right? Him and Frank Nazar were were the most important players in terms of just keeping the pace, keeping the momentum, keeping the energy sky high. It, it, you know, Gavin, for me, he put himself on the map last year at the U twenties. I thought he was not playing very well in college up to that point. I know I've had other scouts who disagree with me on that front, but I I really thought. Uh, that the U-20s is what really solidified him. And then he came out of that tournament and took off. And in, in this tournament, you saw not just more of the same, but he was even better than he was last year, uh, which, again, it's not unexpected given the fact that he has more experience, but he was fantastic. You know, the, the difference between Gavin Brindley and some other smaller forwards with speed is that Gavin can make a ton of high-end plays at his top speed. And I feel like he's starting to transform more into a dual threat. I thought he was much more of a primary playmaker last year, uh, but he was more he was more dangerous with his shooting, uh, I felt, at this tournament. So it, it's one of those situations where this tournament is built for Gavin Brennan. It's this it's based totally off of momentum, as you know, right? It's it's a it's a tournament where you can be up three-nothing. And then two shifts later, it's 3-2, and all the pressure is, is on you because the team that just scored twice is, is considered to be nowhere near in the same class as you. The States had all the pressure going into this event because they were the best team. We mentioned in our preview show. And uh, therefore, the momentum switches that somebody like a Gavin Brindley or Frank Nassar can create uh, to turn the tide are invaluable, and that's what he brought to the table. I agree 100%. 
So let's talk about his line mate in that respect in Frank Nazar. And what I really appreciated about Frank, not only in this tournament, but it was great for him. Like the kid's gone through a tremendous amount of, you know, injury woes uh, really have sort of, you know, curtailed his development. And there was always that question in your mind is, is he going to get back to what we saw prior to his injury in, you know, in his freshman season in, in Michigan. And I thought like this tournament, he was, exactly what he was going into his draft year. He was high energy, high motor, um, making all kinds of aggressive, like audacious plays, which is him, and was fearless in terms of playing with the puck and making plays. And it didn't matter what team he was playing against, what line he was playing against. And I liked that level of bravado and cockiness with the puck. And because it, actually causes defensemen to be a little intimidated by him because you never know what he was going to do. And I thought that brought a different element to USA. And I thought the line kind of fit because when you have Isaac Howard on that line and Nazar and in Brindley, they they're all audacious type players where they're unafraid to make all kinds of plays. And I thought from that standpoint, I thought that really stood out for, for Frank and I'm really happy for him that he's healthy again, because I don't like to see the prospects get hurt and just derails their career. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, like the last thing you want is a top 10 prospect being off the ice. It's just not good for the game. Uh, Certainly not good for Frank or Chicago. So the the big thing with Nazar, I haven't had an opportunity to watch him too much until this event. And uh, one thing I'll say is that in his draft year, uh, before he got injured is that he, um, he put himself in bad spots. He, you know, we, we talked about it. It's all those situations where when you're that young, you think you're invincible. It's every kid who's 18, 19 doesn't think they can get hurt. And and unfortunately, uh, Frank did get severely injured. And that means that I want, I wanted to evaluate to see if he was putting himself in positions where he was making smart plays and he wouldn't have his body get laid out as a result of that play. Right. And um, I, I felt he did a lot better job of of managing that. Uh, and that's what he has to do to stay on the ice. So that was a huge part of it for me because, honestly, the one of the reasons I had him, had him a little lower than Chicago, uh, but the main reason had nothing to do with his on-ice play. It just had to do with the injury risk because it was just chaos, right? It's a, it was it was just a, one of those players that was willing uh, to be overly aggressive in a way that was uh, counterproductive at times, I guess, with the way to put it. But I'll say this about Frank. One, one of the – most interesting aspects of Frank Nazar. We talked about Gavin Brindley, fantastic north-south. One thing that Frank Nazar has is uh, he's incredibly dangerous coming off the wall. He's very inventive, super creative player, excellent hands. And he knows how to leverage his size, much in the same way Gavin Brindley does, to his advantage. They're not very big, but sometimes smaller players can can use that to their advantage. And that's specifically when you're dealing with a, a double-team situation where they have to slip out of coverage. And that's something uh, Frank Nazar has displayed time and time again. It's, it's very impressive to watch. Let's talk about Zeev Bulliam at this tournament because of he, him being a draft-eligible defenseman at a Denver University. Uh, no, and I wanted to confirm what his height actually was because there were some multiple sources that said he is six feet tall. Um, he said he might be able to squeeze up to six, two if he's lucky. I think he has another growth spurt in him. And having, you know, watch him play at Denver University in, in this tournament. And one of the things that I found about interesting about him is he's fearless to jump into the play on in from the offensive blue line. Not worried about that at all. And if he sees an opportunity, he's very aggressive in that respect. 
had, was fearless in terms of carrying the puck up the ice and, you know, carrying the play in that respect, uh, making sometimes some audacious outlet passes, uh, trying to, you know, hit guys at full speed and, and push, push the play that way as well. So I, I appreciate his willingness to see the play and break it down and make those type of plays. Will he have to dial that in a little bit? Yes. Um, did he have some moments defensively where he just tried to do too much in that situation kind of got caught a few times? Yes, but you certainly saw the hockey sense and the skills necessary to be a quality NHL defenseman, you know, in the, and go, you know, quite high in this draft. Um, but once again, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt of him being an 18 year old defenseman um, in those situations and just trying to figure out what he can and can't get away with at this tournament. But overall, like you have to be um, pretty impressed with his overall play considering how young he was and, you know, the position that he was in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of those situations where you want to see him just acclimate well enough so that he can hold his position and, uh, have the trust of the coach and, and that's what happened. You know, he was able to get out there. He wasn't playing three or four minutes a night. He was playing quality minutes, uh, albeit in depth capacity. But the, the thing with Z, you mentioned a bit there, he's, he's an interesting hybrid defenseman in the sense that he can be a Rover, but then he can also be a two way defenseman. Yeah. So let's, I know a lot of people in the media right now are talking about Jamie Drysdale. Uh, I think there is some Drysdale in Z boom. Um, but for contrast sake, I would argue that, um, Drysdale's the better skater of the two, uh, but Boom's the more tenacious player. Uh, he's the more physical physical player of the two uh, and more defensively responsible at the same age within their draft seasons. So the the big thing with Zeev is that his processing ability is world-class. That's what separates this player. He's, he's an incredible at processing the play. And when he's processing the play at the college level, sometimes he's two, three steps ahead. And that will translate much in the way Zach Benson has been able to translate his game. I know Zach's a forward, but uh, the, the way their processors operate are similar. So the, the, re- the reason I brought that up is Zach Benson has been able to translate his game rapidly. I think Z Boom is going to be able to actually do the same thing, uh, which is pretty rare. But it's you know at this event I felt like he was he was pretty solid. Uh, obviously there were some inconsistencies, which every eighteen year old defenseman is going to have at this tournament. Uh, but he, I thought he acclimated pretty well, and and to, he had some good performances. Yeah, considering the circumstance he was in, he's an eighteen year old. Um, I'm always impressed if they can hold their own and actually do some things on the ice. Uh, we're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned right after this. Every play, every stat. Every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back in our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now going to talk about Team Sweden in that respect. And right off the hop, let's talk about Jonathan LeCaramacchi and he was a player that I thought, and we had mentioned this in the in the preview show as well, that really needed to have a strong tournament. And because of the injuries that he sustained last year and the up and down season that he had, I thought it was really important for him to come in and show a level of dominance in the one area that he can just explode in, and that's scoring goals. That's what he is. He's a goal scorer. He's a sniper. And can he do that at the clutch times in the game? and take over a game in terms of just being able to constantly be a threat when shooting the puck. And I think in this tournament, he absolutely did that seven goals in seven games and uh, really in some, you know, some really big games, uh, you know, obviously scored like th- he had three goals in the, you know, in the semi, in the semifinal and then into the, into the gold medal game. So for me, that really stood out. Like when his team needed him, he scored goals and I think he just looked more fluid and mobile and comfortable and had that kind of cocky, really kind of like arrogant kind of edge to him that he was going to be able to do whatever he wanted to. That's a really good way of putting it, arrogant edge. You know, when it comes to this player type, it can be extremely difficult to evaluate their translation to the NHL. And the reason why is because basically their entire game is predicated off of being able to find time and space and soft pockets of ice or in heavy traffic to get the shot off. And the other factor is that they you rely more on seeing their mental approach, much almost in the same way you, you rely, on, uh, rely on it with a goaltender. And the reason why is because an elite shooter has to have that arrogance, that confidence, that that bravado that they're going to score the next shot. You know, uh, it's it's one of those situations with Karamaki. I agree with you. I think last year it, there was huge confidence issues after coming back from his injuries. He never looked right. And at this event, he certainly looked much more like the first round pick that uh, Vancouver had there. And uh, that's that's it just comes down to confidence timing, understanding how to put himself in the right spots at the right times, reading his line mates better. Uh, and yeah, I thought he did all of those things. So, you know, the, the next step for him uh, will be, can he create that secondary skill set, that ancillary skill set that allow him to stay up in Rick Tockett's lineup? Because we've seen it with Andre Kuzmenko. You can be a world-class yeah. talent, but if you don't have that secondary skill set, if you can't defend, if you can't backcheck, forecheck, then you're in trouble in that system. And Lekaranaki doesn't project to be that great in those areas. So he's going to have to individualize his approach in that secondary skill set in some area so he can stay up in the lineup in Vancouver's system. But I right. thought he was fantastic at the tournament. Well, then that's where I think he would be more effective as the F2 
on a four check where you have the F1 forcing the play to try to make a turnover. And then he can be there to be opportunistic and maybe jump on loose pucks or find an opportunity and get, get a shot away when defense and the goaltender are not necessarily set. And then, and just be a back checker in terms of, you don't have to bang and crash, but just force pressure skating back hard. So that the puck carrier or like an option has to like, deviate from the path they want to or allow their defensemen to stand up that's all you need to do if you can just do those two things i think that's enough for a guy who's a goal scorer because finding a guy who's so well-rounded is so rare like that's that's just not going to happen so curious to see if you know he can add those things at a higher level into his into his arsenal let's talk about theo linstein now I had boldly said that he should be on the roster and he would be a catalyst if he played. And I didn't understand why he wasn't on the roster in the, in the, in the pre preview show. And then an injury happened. He got on the roster and then ended up being the best defenseman in the entire tournament with eight points in seven games and was the glue along with Tom Willander for the Swedes in terms of making intelligent, precise plays with the puck, but also just, being absolutely annoying in terms defensively, just getting in the way. He just like we talk about like the other side of the Karamaki having to create time and space and find seams. I thought Theo Instinct did a great job of just taking away time and space and taking away themes. And all the plays ended up dying or going to the outside to the far to the boards of the ice where there was no threat. Like overall, um, it was hard not to come away from this being really impressed with the his play in the tournament. Yeah, so we've had Tim Taylor on our program multiple times, and he mentioned, uh, you know, he feels Lindstein can be a, a massive minute eater for the Blues uh, in the not too distant future, and and uh, is you know he's a very interesting prospect in the sense that I do feel he falls in the category of a player type that is it's not it's not uh, going to be as prominent as it used to be, and that's a puck mover, a, a, a mid sized puck mover, and the reason I think Lindstein uh, will be able to still make it despite there being less of them, is because there is one specialized quality with him that is super rare, and that's that he can thread layered passes through traffic and stretch the length of the entire ice and do it cleanly and efficiently and consistently. And that is absolutely the hallmark of his game. He he's not ever going to be that fancy dynamic player that that's is we just talked about Z Boom being the rover and coming in as the F three or F four in a, in a play and then making something happen uh, but offensively. Play, but in the playoffs, that's the kind of passes that matter to forwards. The passes of he course. make, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's what he is. He, he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of A twos where they're quiet and people won't remember them, but they were absolutely everything when it came to being the catalyst for the play developing, right? And that's what he is, and and that's what you saw here. Right. That's what Theo Lindstein's game is quiet, efficient, composed, and he can eat minutes for days. And he's looking fantastic out there. Yeah. Defensively, I just thought, you know, he was obviously competitive, um, you know, and that's not an issue in terms of competitive edge and willing to battle. That's not it. And he'll block shots and he'll do all those things, take hits to make plays. But I just thought his ability to, like, to bust up plays before they got to the top of the circle, just taking away time and space, gapping up really well, angles, angled really well, sticks in lane and just forced. He just, he kept his, his body position and his stick and his skate straight onto the, to the forward coming down and forced them to make the first play. And then they would commit, then he could take away time and space. So I thought, you know, overall in this tournament, he played exceptionally well. I'd like to get your thoughts on Otto Stenberg because Again, I 
pretty boldly said that he was going to be the catalyst for on the offensive side for the Swedes and considering what talent they have on that team that could have blown up in my face, but he came out and had a, a really great tournament. He's, he got a point in every game he played in a goal or, or a couple assists had a hat trick in one game, but I just thought his competitiveness, his energy, his intelligence and his smart defensive play because he was so consistent made a huge difference to the the kind of that middle of that lineup and just ripping apart some second and third lines for the opposition. Yeah, he's so good internationally. Huh? He just every time yeah. he dons a Swedish jersey, he is unbelievable. This kid, he finds a different level to his play. Uh, and that that goes to his leadership qualities. I feel like there's some yeah. some real character qualities to how he how he plays on the ice. Um, you know, the, the thing with this kid that really stands out with, with Otto is that he's just so versatile. You know, he's, he's the Swiss army knife. He's that prototype that you're looking for and he can do absolutely everything. If you need him to be a playmaker on a line with somebody, say theoretically like LeCaramacchi and set up LeCaramacchi, he can do that. If you need him to be a finisher off of a, uh, off of a power play, he can do that. If you need him to play down low, play weighted minutes against heavier defensemen using his edge work and his handling combination, he can do that. If you need him to back check, forward check, if you need him to actually make a, a defensively responsible play, he can do that too. He's starting to develop that as well. That's coming. That, that was a bit behind those other characteristics, but, it, but it's coming. So when you look at it, does he have the ceiling of some of these other top-end uh, first-rounders? Probably not. Probably not. Looks more middle six-ish, but you're getting a very useful, high-floor, versatile player. And I'm sure I'm sure St. Louis was thrilled with the, the, the tournament that they saw when it came to the Swedes that they have. Like, Otto was great. Yeah, I look at Otto and, you know, you're trying to, if you're going to project him out, and even when he was going into the draft, I, you know, I don't like to make player comparables, but the player that came to mind me was Michael Backlund out of Calgary. And in the mm-hmm, first part great, of Michael, great comparable. And, and in first part of his, his career, he was a, a really good second line center. But as his career, he started to get a little bit older. He actually, you know, morphed into, because of his, his versatility, into this excellent third line player who could do a lot of different things as well and was super versatile. So I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, Otto Stenberg ends up having this 14, 13 year career in the NHL. And maybe the first half of that, he is a really good second liner for the Blues, and in the, the the back half of that, he's you know goes into it and is a really good third liner who wears a letter, um, and is a leader for his team in terms of how he plays and how consistent he is and his professional like demeanor. Because the one thing I noticed about him that I really liked is body language. I watch body language in players a lot, and when things don't go well, he didn't you know show bad body language or get you know, yell at his teammates or anything like that. It was like very positive body language in that respect. So for me, I was, I was impressed with a lot of things he did in this tournament. And like you said, international tournaments, for whatever reason, this guy, this guy's game is great. So uh, lucky for the Swedes in that respect, but Brad and I are going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. 
Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review. We're going to talk about some Czech prospects in this segment. Uh, so, Brad, let's talk about Yuri Kulich because it wasn't necessarily a surprise to me that he had such a dominant tournament, partially because you know, playing in Rochester in the American Hockey League last year and then this year. So his pace of play, his detailed game, I thought was going to be able to translate over into this tournament. And yes, he was highly targeted, of course. Uh, The Czechs had a very big team, but they didn't have the same depth of really elite talent that they've had, you know, in previous years. But overall in this tournament, look, he had 12 points in seven games and you know, was tied for the lead in points in the tournament. He was fantastic. Six goals, six assists. So it was hard not to be like, I guess, impress isn't the word, but it was, he showed exactly what he had shown in the American Hockey League and just transferred it over and took the bull by the horns. He knew he was going to get targeted and he knew that he was going to get double teamed in some places and he knew that he was going to get hit and whacked and everybody was coming after him and he still just bowled his way through and did what he wanted to do and actually willed his way into the score sheet and their team won a bronze medal yeah so i mean you mentioned it he he was targeted and it didn't matter and that's 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 the telling sign that a, a prospect's uh, basically ready for for, for prime time, you know, he's been dominant in the AHL. And as you know, players who are dominant in the AHL getting an opportunity to play in this tournament usually are going to do extremely well. And so that's what we saw with Coolidge. You know, the, the thing with Coolidge is so impressive to me. There's, there's two components. The first is that when you look at his development curve from when I first saw him in extra league in his initial draft year, he was this lanky, somewhat sloppy, still yeah. uncoordinated kid who had difficulty understanding exactly how he could maximize his offensive game. And then you look at him by the end of the year at the U18s, and he looked unbelievable, right? That's where I think he really put himself on the map of that tournament. Yeah. And then you 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 watch the transition to the A, and it's just been it's been unbelievable, right? It's very rarely do you see a prospect transition at the oh, rate he has, especially at that age. Like it was oh, really, I was I was stunned, yeah. and in the conversations we had with the guys from Buffalo, it, it's a, it was such a it's such an anomaly. So you know we're not ones to hype up prospects. 
but you got to give credit where credit's due. And it was unexpected. Like he is one of the outliers that made that transition much smoother than expected. Absolutely. He felt he shares it with the fellow prospect. Well, not prospect anymore. He was a prospect and JJ Paterka, who also had a very good transition uh, to the AHL when he was young. So it, it's one of those situations. Buffalo's done very well developmentally in Rochester. And uh, I give this kid full marks. The, the big thing with this kid is you, you, we can talk about the skating. We can talk about how dangerous he is off the rush. We can talk about his shooting ability, how dangerous he is on a power play and man advantage with his wheelhouse. We can talk about all that, but it really comes down to one thing. Uh, sometimes players have difficulty asserting their game, and he's the opposite of that. Whatever he is, you're going to get, and that is the critical component of why I think he's going to be so good at translating his scoring rates. Right? That's the difference with this kid. He's also, I love the kid's pace of play. He's always hustling, and that's that's a beautiful quality to have when you're a scorer. We talked about LeCaramacki. LeCaramacki yeah. can't skate like Coolidge. LeCaramacki doesn't have the pace Coolidge has. And that's that that's a great thing for Coolidge to be able to draw from when it comes to making sure he can stay up in the top of the lineup. So I, I full marks to Coolidge, phenomenal curve, and he dominated as expected this two twenties. And full full marks to the check the Chechia here. I mean, this this is a fantastic uh representation of seeing smaller uh countries at this tournament doing better and it just makes for a better tournament this i thought this was a more exciting new 20s in in, uh, in the last couple of years and the reason why is because some of these teams like slovakia and chechia did so well yeah you know kudos to both their national programs of turning things around and really dedicating themselves and putting more resources and time in, in that and i you know in another cycle in another three years i think it's going to be a big seven and you're going to be able to open up and go, I'm not sure who's going to win. And that's great. It's great for the tournament. It, it was one of the, the funnest tournaments I've been to in, in a long time. Let's talk about Edward Saleh. Now, this is a player going back even to his draft, even watching him this year in Barrie. Uh, like, he is perplexing in the fact that he's the little girl with the curl. When he's good, he's unbelievably good and talented and you completely understand why he's drafted in the first round and then when he's off you're just like what is going on it's just like he's sort of like lackadaisical almost kind of lollygagging through the shift and just sort of like figuring out oh is there anything there there's nothing there okay i'll go back to the bench and for me that's just like it's sort of frustrating because he's a guy who can put up a point a game in a tournament like this but still you come away going, I don't know if he had a good tournament, but you look at his stat line and it looks impressive, but you're kind of like, meh, you know, what was your impression of that? Because, and if he hits in the NHL, man, he's going to be a player and he's going to be electric because he's got all the tools. Yeah. So this is the thing we just talked about Coolidge. And how dominant he can be, how assertive he can be, how he draws and brings this energy to the table, right? Shal is basically the polar opposite, right? What Shal is is a is a very talented player who's basically in the background of games when you would rather have him be in the forefront of games. And this this goes right back to his draft season. This was the critical issue when when it came to international performances. Yes, he put up points, but it was against teams that he should put up points against. It was very rarely against the top teams at an event. If that's a telling sign. That's a warning sign. And when you looked at his league play, it was similar. Even when he would score, there were, it was quiet points. He never took over games. He never dominated games. And that's what we saw here at this U20 performance was a player. He reminds me so much of Oscar Lawson. 
and, yeah. and you know, I look, I I love what Colorado's done recently. Look, Colorado's got a heck of a team. They've had some fantastic draft picks, but and, and they knew going in. We've talked about it on this program. They knew going in that there was a risk with the mental switch that was required to be turned on with Oscar Lawson in order to translate successfully. That's the exact same situation that Rochelle is in. There is a, a lack of a mental uh, a switch. And in, 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 Seattle's going to have to find a way to flip that switch quickly so that they can actually get this player then NHL long-term. Because this this is the player type where the talent's there. And I get it. You, you can only have talent draw so far in a draft before you take it. And I've loved some of the things Seattle's done. I'm a huge fan, as you know, of Yanni Newman. I think Riker Evans is one of the best kept secrets outside the NHL. People are going to know who Riker Evans is real quick. Fantastic pick. Uh, but it, it, it's one of those situations where they're, you know, I in, in the black book, I have a quote on a Lousen where it's, you know, it's, it's, um, there's that calm before the storm. Well, what if it's just all calm? What if what if there is no storm? And, and that's a Lousen and that's Shala, and that's a problem. And so the, I really think Seattle's going to have to address uh, the situation with Shala because at the U-20 level in a World Junior Championship tournament, you expect the player to bring whatever he is mentally. You expect him to flourish mentally here. He did not do that. And this is not the first time we've seen it, and that's a problem. So yeah. that's that's Shadow did not have a good tournament relative to a lot of these other top end prospects. Let's talk about Thomas Homera before we take off for break because I give him a lot of credit. You know, he's six foot tall, he's 190 pounds, you know, third, you know, he was a third round pick for Ottawa. He was the number one defenseman on his team, played a ton of minutes, had to play power play, penalty kill against the top lines, and quietly, most people didn't even like pay attention to him. Because when we were doing the voting, no one even like realized he was a point of game defenseman. Seven points in seven games, only took two minors and was a plus one. Plus one isn't the end of end all to be all, but he was that defenseman with not a lot of talent around him. Good, but not elite talent in terms of draft, you know, drafted players. I thought he proved out and played exceptionally well. Um, and excellent in some cases uh, when it came for the checks on, uh, for the checks on defense. So at the beginning of the 2022 draft season, we had this kid as an A-rated prospect. That's how high we thought of him because he was so intelligent. Right? And you saw some of that at this event. Um, however, we dropped him significantly because his off-puck play in his defensive zone was really lacking. And we just didn't think there was enough there at the line. Uh, that said, you, you fast forward to this year, and I feel like he's he's really uh, starting to showcase a game that's more translatable. And he has stepped up now multiple times international. He was really good at the U18s, that was, and it was unexpected at that time. And now at this tournament, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I think you can make an argument for a player that was really not coveted coming in. He was the one that did the most damage. He yeah. without without him, the checks do not do not do as nearly as well as they did. So uh, full props to Hamera. Hopefully he can carry this momentum now uh, back back to the OHL. Uh, but you know he's he falls into um, for me he falls a little bit into the Theo Lindstein category where he's that yeah. he's that uh, slightly undersized puck moving style of player. But unlike Theo Lindstein, who I think absolutely translates right now, I, I'm very high on Lindstein. Homer is one of those situations where it, it's it's a wait and see. And it doesn't have quite the the playmaking uh, pedigree of Lindstein. So similar player type, uh, you know, I think Lindstein's a bit further ahead, but Hamara de definitely didn't hurt himself at this tournament. Definitely put himself on the map here, and that's that's all he can do.
certainly. Uh, we're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back for the last segment of Hour 1 right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio and our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review. Brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. So we're going to talk about Team Finland. Uh, let's start off with Nicholas Coco. You know, it was a really tough situation for him at this tournament and he reminded me of an 80s goaltender because he gave up a lot of goals and he had a really poor save percentage but when he needed to not let a puck in he did that it was actually almost kind of like the Mike Vernon Grant Fuhrer kind of goaltending where it's such a high paced game back and forth and it's a 5-4 game 6-5 game but I'm not going to let that extra goal in because he had an 870 save percentage and a 386 goals against average. So when you look at that, you're like, you know, that's looks awful, but he did manage to get his team at least into, you know, to the bronze medal game. So he found a way to get his team there. Um, even though, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest way to get there. Well, there's two things I'll talk about there. The first is that Finland seemed almost totally disjointed from the the moment they stepped on the ice at this event, and that puts him in a worse position. And two, the eye test uh, certainly looks a little different than the stats, right, the raw stats. So uh, the the thing with Coco uh, is that he stands 6'4", but you wouldn't think it. So he reminds me a lot of Eunice Corpusalo. I I mentioned that to you before. There's so... He's athletically gifted, which I'm sure some of you, some of you listening who got an opportunity to see him at the event uh, saw. You know, he's laterally explosive. He's very dexterous. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where he's reflexive. He can he can stop high danger shots in tight. Uh, but he's his own worst enemy. 
You know, there's goalie prospects out there like yes, for Wallstead, who just got uh, his his first game recently uh, in the NHL, and he's the opposite of that. He he's somebody who understands how to maximize his game and make sure that if a puck beats him, it's it's not because he put himself in a, in a bad position at, at first, right? He's Coco is somebody who shrinks in the net when he doesn't need to. He's placed small in his set stance, and his butterfly. It, it narrows rapidly depending on the save type. And so it's really interesting to me because if you look at him at this event, it doesn't look like an NHL goalie, right? But there's a huge but. The base is there. And if you modify aspects of his set stance, then then you have an opportunity to still see something that can translate. He's got to get himself to look bigger in the net. And it should be, it should be fixable because he does have the size in order to do it. He just... Right now, he's just way too low in the net. And it, 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 to be honest with you, it's one of those situations where it gives confidence to the shooters because there's so much that they're looking at, right? There's a lot of seams and opportunities there that they can identify just because he's shrinking. So one of those situations where he's very, very reflexive. And when he's on, he's on. And he's athletic. But he, at this event, I felt like it, it, he showcased the, the, some of the good with, with uh, some of the bad. And so he's got he's to modify his set stance heavily in order to translate. That's what I that's what I found to be the the defining feature of him when, when evaluating him at this event. Let's talk about Jesse Polkin because he's an intriguing prospect. He's gonna be an overager going into the draft. He's six six, about 115 pounds. And I thought he acquitted himself very well at this tournament. Very well. And there's a lot to like about his game. And I would be surprised if he isn't taken in the first three rounds of this upcoming draft. And Thoughts on him, Brad, like as a prospect, particularly, you know, at this tournament and how that's going to potentially help him going into June. You know, to your point, he's a unicorn. Right? How many players are six, six that, that have his straight line mobility that have his puck handling skills rare. that can do what he does, right? It's rare, super rare. So that's, that's the first thing that really stands out about him. Uh, I, I have him as a, as an A-rated prospect in one of my last days, uh, which might be considered aggressive to some uh, but the reason why is because when you look at him in Mestis and Liga and you see him in a structured system he reduces his risk and I bring up risk because at this tournament that was the one thing that was very uneven there was times where he would make plays that were way too high risk given the context of the game you know you can't you can't make high risk plays in a 2-2 game with everything on the line type, type of situation right and so he in Liga he he was breaking that out of his system. It, it wasn't there nearly the same degree. I felt like he was playing much more like his U20 Saru version, which is the version that that yeah. raises more questions than answers at times. However, you still saw 6'6", mobile, active defenseman who was capable of doing a ton of things, who's poised, who can who can retrieve pucks, who's deceptive. He's very deceptive at times. And uh, there's just so much like there's so much range within this game. He's a he's a, a versatile defenseman. He can just, uh, you know, train wreck a player, just box them out, squeeze out players along the boards, box them out net front, use his length. He has all of that. So it's just one of those situations where he's very raw. Despite being 19, he's still a very raw player. But the, the the total package that's that's there to mold was on display at this event, and I feel like he helped put himself on the map. It's just he did he definitely showed too much risk, which has been one of the defining features of of this of this draft season so far. So going forward, I, I would love to see him uh, reduce that risk a bit further because then you don't have to take that variable into account and you can keep him high up in the on your ranking. 
yeah, we'll see what happens throughout the you know the rest of the year from that standpoint. Let's talk about constant uh, Constance Hellenius. So draft eligible player, extremely intelligent in terms of hockey sense, uh, you know, puck skills, shooting ability, playmaking ability. Thoughts on this tournament for him as well, because you know he's a 17 year old in this tournament, doesn't turn 18 until next May. So, you know, I try not to put, I don't put expectations on those kind of players. If they come in this tournament and they play and they play reasonably well, good. I mean, I don't, and if they don't, I don't, I don't put negatives upon them in that tournament because it, you know, sometimes you have to realize how difficult this tournament is to play and is particularly for young players. So thoughts on what he did at this tournament overall. Well, going in, I, I'm very high on this player. I've loved his play in Liga. I, I love his 200 foot game. To what you said, he's an incredibly intelligent player, very well rounded. Uh, I felt like, you know, going in, I wanted him to solidify his spot much in the way Celebrini is going to. Well, Celebrini solidified his spot to me in week one, to be honest with you. But I, I wanted Celebrini obviously show up and do extremely well here, so that there was no question marks. But in Hellenius's case, I felt like he did the opposite. He's created more questions for me because I legitimately have no, never seen him play this poorly. Um, in this many games in a row. Uh, and hey, listen, as you mentioned, he's young, he's 17, and it's going to happen. Young players yeah. are going to have tournaments where they're just not, they, they just don't have it for whatever reason. Um, but he was he was making errors that I have just never seen him make. Even just basic playmaking situations where he, he just basic cycling plays or basic give and go sequences or or finding the lateral option on the weak side. It, it's Everything for him seemed to be a fight. He was fighting the puck. He was fighting his decision-making. It seemed like his confidence was reduced. Uh, even, just, even just his shot seemed weaker to me. I don't know if he was under the weather. I honestly have no idea. But everything to me seemed off with him. But it is one of those situations where, as a scout now, i got to remember this sample. And then I'm going to have to watch a whole lot more of him down the stretch than I was expecting to because, for me, he was, he was doing fantastic in the first half. So it's one of those tournaments where it was definitely rough around the edges. Uh, but it's, again, one tournament, as you mentioned. And he's very young. So a very, very promising prospect who I just, I just felt didn't have the tournament uh, many expected, including myself. Yeah. I would have liked, you know, he, he played a lot of wing in this tournament. I would have preferred him in the middle of the ice. He did play in the middle of the ice at times and took draws in the offensive zone at times, but it wasn't consistent. I wonder how much that affected his game. I, I, you know, I, I also wonder like you have to, you know, ask the coach or like, what kind what were you asking him to do? What was his role? You know, so that sort of like, maybe there's some adaptability in there. Find out whether like, okay, was he under the weather? Was he sick? Um, there was some flu, you know, getting around, obviously the world juniors and players were getting hit. Um, was he injured at all in any case? Because there's always, you know, nuance and context, those situations. Does that, would that impact him as a player as well? From that standpoint, I don't think it's going to impact his, you know, his rankings in terms of where I think NHL teams are going to have him in that respect. Cause they're going to, you know, simply look back at what he did, what he does in Liga for the rest of the way. And, you know, depending on availability, whether he, you know, he's at the U 18s, um, which would be great. Um, obviously because Finland is ho- hosting as well. So I'm sure he'd love to do that in his, you know, his home country and he could play in the U 18s again, but sometimes that doesn't happen, but eh, why not? If you're available, so, so from that standpoint, um, Brad, do you think like, you know, we got a few seconds left. Do you think it's going to impact him at all? Cause I don't think 
his performance is going to make that big a difference unless things fall off the rails for him in Liga the rest of the way. Well, we're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned for Hour 2 right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review, brought to you by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and study to the next level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. In the fifth segment, we're going to talk about prospects from Team Canada. And then in segment six, we'll turn the page and talk about some Slovakia prospects as well. And then in the seventh segment, it is Brad's favorite time. We're going to talk about some goaltenders at the World Junior Championships. And finally, we'll talk about a couple prospects for Norway as well. So here we go. So let's talk about Macklin Celebrini and your thoughts on him in that respect of his tournament and overall? Well, the way that to, to look at it would be you have to evaluate him relative to other potential number one overall picks. And from that perspective, I think he did pretty good, like a pretty solid tournament overall. Uh, you know, he's, he's a bonafide number one. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, you look at the last couple of years or even dating back to like 2012, let's go with Ryan Nugent Hopkins onward type of situation. You look at Alexei Lafreniere's struggles, uh, Shane Wright, who was projected to be that and then slipped a bit. That That's not going to be Celebrini's issue. He's not, he's not going to come in the league, putting up 30, 40 points. And then everybody goes, what happened was, is this a result of scouting is the result of development? And there's more questions than that. Right. That's not going to happen on this player. And I think some of you, some of you, uh, I'm sure listening, uh, who evaluated and could see that this is a incredibly well-rounded, mature 200 foot player who has absolutely everything. And he brought everything. And uh, I, th- I think that's the best way to label him is, you know, I'll say this, the biggest difference between him in the college level and him at this event relative to Adam Fantilli, who I think it's an okay comp because 
you know, top three pick, was projected to be potential number one, played college. Uh, the biggest difference celebrating is a smarter player, smart, smarter hockey player. And, and you can see that. Uh, Fentili is more explosive. Fentili can be uh, – maybe you could argue that his um, – his shot quality with his one-timers is even a little better in Celebrities. You make that argument, maybe. But I think the rest of Celebrities' game is the total package. Uh, yeah. You're dealing with a total package hockey player, and he was the youngest player, and it didn't matter. And that's what you want to see. What stood out for me is just how consistent, consistently he was off puck. That's what impressed me the most. The, you know the offense was there. I almost actually dismissed it. Not to say – I just wasn't concerned about it. I wasn't even interested in watching him have the puck. I was interested in watching him without the puck and how he's playing and how that was going to translate. And I think he's our best defensive forward on the entire team as an 18 year old. Right. So that really like says something to me about his, and I think you, you know, coined it really perfectly about his well-roundedness in this 200 foot game. And I know we use that term sometimes too often 200 foot game, but I think he embodies that particularly, which is why, you know, you always, you're looking at first overall picks, it's so much of the ceiling, right? But his floor is so high, right? His floor is so high. <clears throat> that makes it so much, like people had asked me, oh, do you think that there's going to be somebody that contends for first overall? And I like, I don't think so. And it's because of the floor. It's not because of his offensive production. It's because of his off puck play. I think that's going to really separate him between the other players that are in that top five that are trying to buy to move up. I just don't, I don't see if they're they're going to be able to pull it off. They might because they're still like you got four months left, so that could happen. But uh, I don't think so. Um, we should talk about Brendan Yeager. I want your thoughts on him as well, because going into this tournament, you know he was a guy that was kind of like he didn't know where he was going to be in a lineup. He's he's an offensive player that really deserved, I thought, offensive opportunities because he's he'd be very very dynamic in that respect. You know, playing great in you know Moose Jaw you know, 41 points in 28 games, but I thought he played, I thought he played well. He had a point. He was, he, I think he did exactly what he should bring to a team like this. And he had a point a game. So it's hard for me to say he didn't play well because he did what you would expect him to, to be and what he did. Yeah. To your point, I think, I think uh, you could even make the argument. He, he played a little bit above expectation uh, considering where, you know, so depending on who you talk to, I, I think some people feel like he, he fell, uh, dramatically in his draft season because he was going in as a potential top five candidate and and uh, slipped into the teens in the actual draft. And to be honest with you, I, I felt like he could have maybe even gone later. You know, um, that said, you know, there's a reason he was drafted in, in the middle of the first is because he can really skate. And when he's playing well, he's calibrated the right way. That's when he makes high end dual threat plays. You know, there's yeah. times where this kid can really have difficulty evaluating when to pass a puck. And he can be too reliant with – he's a very good technical shooter, but he doesn't always set up his shot uh, in a way that's deceptive around defensemen and around a goalie. And I think he's improved in those aspects. He's not he, – he was too easy to read in his draft year. I feel like this tournament showcased an example of him where he's starting to understand that through his dynamic play, he can be more difficult uh, for defensemen and goalies to read, and that makes him a far more dangerous player. So I, I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, it looks like Pittsburgh might have a good one. Uh, I, I don't get an opportunity to see Jaeger too much uh, this season. So this this was really my opportunity to really evaluate where he was relative to last year, and and uh, he looked pretty impressive. Yeah, and the and the the lines and how things were configured. I was just curious to see how he was going to adapt because in this tournament, 
you know, if you don't play with guys on a consistent basis and you have maybe in the past and some other like international tournaments and there's some chemistry, I thought he adapted to the situation quite well from that standpoint, uh, disappointing, obviously result for a team Canada, but I thought, you know, Brandon Yeager, you know, displayed himself, you know, quite well. And, you know, so it was, a, it was a nice little indication of where his game could go and that he was evolving um, because these are snapshots in time and to see them against his peer group, like, Oh, okay. The things that we wanted to see him get better at, you're starting to see that at a really high level event. So I thought that's re- that was really important for him. Let's talk about Lamic, uh, Maverick Lamaru as well. And, you know, put in a really tough spot after injuries on the defense core and thoughts on him overall, because uh, there wasn't an expectation from me for him to put up a ton of points, but he was going to put up some. And it was really based on the injuries that he was going to have to play against the top lines and defend as well. And I thought his five on five play as a defenseman was good. It was good. I don't think he was the problem on their defense core. I thought he was fine overall. And I think he just took on a much bigger role and shouldered much more of the responsibility than probably he should have. And then sometimes did a little bit too much, Um, but I can't fault a guy for trying. And I thought, so overall, I mean, plus minus isn't everything, but in, in five games, he was a plus six. So that says something about his defensive game five on five. Well, his job was to to be the insulator and yeah. uh, to make sure to pressure the line and to, to instill a bit of fear. Make sure it's like, okay, you want to streak around me, it's going to cost you, right? And that's the, the thing I'll, I will give Maverick full full credit is he has improved dramatically from where he was in his draft year. He's a totally different defenseman in some aspects. I, my big issue with him in his draft season, I didn't see any stick instincts. You have a huge stick seven kid with tons of range, but he couldn't use it right. Now you're starting to see a development where he's really starting to use his range correcting more often. And it's not perfect. And uh, I think he falls in the Leon Bixell camp, which is massive, disturbing insulator who can do a lot of good things defensively, uh, but that the puck skills in terms of just the, the exit playmaking is going to limit him a little bit. And that's so you saw that occasionally at this event. Uh, but it, he's coming together as a prospect where admittedly, I thought at the time, I, was, I, I, I got it. You know, he's a unicorn, he's 6'7", he's a freak athlete. There's a raw base to work with, but I didn't know exactly uh, uh, what to think of him going in the first. You know, I, I had him a bit back because of how raw he was. But yeah, full credit to Arizona, he's developing well. He looks like the insulators we always talk about on here and how critical they are at this point in time in the game, the way the game's played. You know, he's going to have to, he'll insulate a Sean Dursey one day. Yeah. That's going to be his job. And he showed at this event that he he is tracking to be able to do that to some degree. You know what? Yeah, because this is the fourth year in the queue. And this was his opportunity at the World Juniors. He's going to turn pro next year. And I started to see that greater level of consistency. Sometimes the big guys don't recognize how big they really are and how much time and space they can take away. And that guy's like a condor. When he stretches out his arms and with that stick, He's so difficult to get around. And when he, when he starts to realize how effective he can be with that, and then the, the for, what he needs to do is force forwards to come inside on him. Come on in, because I'm going to just going to, I'm going to crush you. You're going to get hit and you're not going to like it. So it's almost like I'm going to take away all that outside him and I'm going to give you the only option is to come inside. Come on in and let me hammer you and see what happens with that. So for me, that's it's really intriguing to see what he did. And I thought throughout this tournament, he was the one defenseman that I thought was the most consistent in terms of being effective about who he is in the framework that he was working under. 
So from that standpoint, you know, that's, it's why I wanted to target him to talk about him today um, because of that, you know, the expectations and, you know, injuries caused a lot of issues with the Canadian defense corps. And, you know, I thought he did his best to step up and take on a much larger role than was probably expected of him. And, you know, there's some stress involved in that as well. So interesting to see what he does um, post-tournament, but I thought he, you know, he, he quitted himself quite well. Uh, Brian, I'm going to take a short break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk more about prospects at the world junior championships right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're continuing our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review. We're now going to focus on Slovakia. <clears throat> excuse me. And talk about, right off the top, Dalvor Dvorsky. I thought, going into the tournament, I think you know you and Jason as well thought you know, he had to be an offensive catalyst for them. He had to be one of the top players uh, defensively as a forward for Slovakia if they were going to have a chance. And I thought he acquitted himself very well. You know, six points in five games, not all both points. But they were also going against all the top lines and having to, you know, push their way through. I really thought they were going to make the semifinals. Um, and the Finns knocked them out. Uh, I know they were super disappointed, but... Overall thoughts on Dvorsky's game at the U20s, and sometimes we freak like this is his third time. Like he's been there a lot, um, and he's played a lot of international hockey, and he takes all the brunt upon himself. Like he knows he's one of the top players, and he takes that responsibility seriously. And I I, I appreciate about uh, that about him when you talk to him. Absolutely, and, he, and he, on the ice, you can see with his body language. It's just the the way that he you can read him is that he has no problem with that responsibility, and that's what you want. He's he's one of those uh, one of those players where you know you get any sort of high end pick who has a ton of responsibility, all the spotlights on you, and sometimes they fold. 
you know, they don't flourish, they fold. And that's not the case with Dvorsky. He flourishes. And, and I, you know, I give, I give the kid credit because he's got, you know, he's got a strange curve that people might not know about too much. Like it, it, it actually reminds me a little bit of Michael Branson Nygaard's where too good for J20 has a minus one season, but had to play there. Then he yeah. gets jumped to the Elsvenskin, I think too quickly. Right. And then he has to yeah. back to J20 a little bit, back to J18. Then he comes back to the Elsvenskin again. And, um, and he was hit and miss as a result of their sporadic play. Right, very similar to how I, I evaluate Michael Branson Nygaard this season. Um, that said, he finally is in, a, is in a situation where he gets to learn in the OHL. He he gets to, to have the Blues there. He gets the development staff to to know how they he want him to, to play. Experiment too, and he gets to he gets to experiment for sure because he's not going against good pro players. No offense, going to the SHL. And I think that that's that's what he showcased at this event was a more consistent uh, version of what he is was, was already projected to be, which is a 200 foot center who who can do a whole lot of good things on the ice. The, the one thing I'll say that I was most bothered with him in his draft year was he would sometimes be way too reliant on his shot from distance, and that you didn't see that here. He's he was he was much better this time around relative to the last two 20 years that uh, in terms of making sure that he would drive into the deeper parts of the ice and start trying to generate. That was critical to me. That's, that's very important for his development. Yeah, no. And what I liked about his off puck play is that he was tenacious. Like he worked hard. Like there was a good work rate in terms of, you know, battling for pucks and sticking on him on his man and um, being in, you know, being an outlet for defenseman and just being smart, about being on the right side of the puck and having good puck puck support. Like I thought overall as a centerman, I thought he ticked off all the boxes for me in, in that respect and knowing that he's going to have to play defensively against the other top lines, um, the other top centers. I thought he acquitted himself very, very well in that respect. And I thought Slovakia kind of deserved a better fate. I, I thought going in that into the quarters that they were going to like pull it off and get themselves into a med opportunity for a medal. Cause that would have been really an interesting, you know, opportunity for them. It, great for the checks to get that, you know, back-to-back medals, but I, I want to see the Slovaks get in there and get rewarded for all the really good things their program's been doing from that respect. Let's talk about Maxim Sturbeck. Uh, he was in a really tough position because the defense core didn't have a lot of talent. They were solid, but not a lot of high-end talent. So he was, you know, given the position where you're the number one defenseman and all the responsibility is going to be on you and you're going to play a ton of minutes and you're going to play in every situation and let's hope that you shoulder the load. And he did. Seven points in five games for a D-man. Only took one minor minor penalty and was still a plus one. For me, I mean, it's not all about the stats, but because I watched him play live, I was really impressed with Sturbeck. And the crazy thing is he plays way better in international competition than he does when he plays in either in college hockey or that he played in USHL. For whatever reason, he throws on the Slovak jersey. He's way better. So maybe he can play like that the whole his whole career because it's impressive when he puts on that jersey. I'm completely with you. His peak performances at these at these turn this tournament specifically, the U20 specifically, this kid shows up in a way I didn't even think he could. Like every yeah. last year, he blew me away. This year, I was like, okay, well, we're going to find out if he can do it again, and and he did it. And with I'll less be, help. like, I didn't love him at the U18s. Yeah, he had less yeah. help. I didn't love him at the U18s. You know, I was I I thought he looked more like the 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 kid I did wasn't a huge fan of in the USHL, but I get why Vegas took him. 
You see it here. You get why they took him. Yeah. Right? They're these soft hands. He's huge and, and, and he's, he's fearless. He's a, yeah, he's like a buffalo. He's, no, he's, he's a just, buffalo pick. He's, oh, sorry. He's a buffalo pick. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I referring to him as a buffalo. I was like, you know what? He does play like a buffalo. Yeah, he does do that too. He's, right, he's he a thicker it. kid. He can run run players over. It's a good description. You're right. Sorry. My bad. I thought Vegas drafted him. Uh, buffalo pick. The, the thing with, with, with him is that um, he needs a lot of time. And uh, luckily enough, now that Forgot he was sorry, Buffalo. If the forgot he was a Buffalo pick, they can give him a whole lot of time because yeah, that Michigan back end's yeah. young and yeah, ton, ton of time to give him. Years. Exactly. And that's that's what he needs. So he's in the right, the right area. But I'm totally with you. He has got to carry some of these performances over to his league play more often. Because then you get something really interesting. He's a he's a very unique player. He's one of those players where um let's let's uh contract him Lindstein, for instance. Lindstein he knows what he is, and he has to stay within the parameters of what he is, or he gets in trouble, right? And he knows it, and that's what makes him operate well. Maxim Skurvak is almost defenseman where you don't mind the experimentation because he he will flash plays. You go, oh, he can he can do some remarkable things sometimes. Uh, it just needs to come out more. He's got to he's got to trick himself into thinking he's going to Slovakia jersey at all times. That's the way I look at it. So, yeah. uh, very impressive performance, and I'm sure Buffalo is thrilled. Yeah, hundred percent. And I thought I thought about voting for him as one of the top defensemen of the tournament because of you know the situation he was in. You got to look at the context and the environment. He's a number one D D man with like not a lot of help around him, and he had to carry a heavy load. It's not like being on a good team with good defense around you and say, "Oh yeah, he played great." Well, he should based on the circumstance, right? Like put that player into Sturback's situation, see how he handles it. You know. It, it, it's a tough situation. Let's talk about Philip Massar. I was curious to see what he was going to do with this tournament, you know, based on how he was playing in Kitchener. And was he going to be able to be that offensive dynamic dynamo? And just his job is to produce points. There's other guys there. Like we talk about the Adam Sikoras of the world and Dvorsky. And there's other guys who can play the defensive side of the game from a forward standpoint. But can Philip Mazar come in and just be that dynamic playmaker and create plays out of nothing? And I thought he did that in many cases at this tournament. Yeah, this was a huge tournament for him. You know, dating back to his draft season, I thought he was one of the strangest players in the draft because there was performances where you go, okay, he looks like a legitimate top six line driving center. And that is an amazingly important type of player. And then there are other times where he was misidentifying simple lateral passes and open ice, and he was he was super inconsistent with the shot, and he had a lot of difficulty uh, uh, with his board battling. That's which is fair. He's playing an extra league in Slovakia. You expect him to get yeah, manhandled he's five, occasionally. He's five ten. He's not very big, and he's not he's not big, right? But you you know just the way he operated though in terms of his time and space wasn't great. So it's like you, you watch him come over to Kishner, and there was a a real problem with that adapting. To, to the smaller ice, which is, again, to go what I just talked about with Extra League. The, the problems he had on the bigger ice translated to the smaller ice, which is not unexpected. And so it's like, going in this year, you have a remarkable talent who's not lived up to the expectation. And then he's finally, and this is the version that I think Montreal was, was thinking they were drafting, was this version. This was a very confident player with tremendous, I mean, you, you've all seen it, incredible hands, right? Very dexterous, super coordinated. And when he's on his game, he can produce. And that's, you know, it's, it's, he's one of the most interesting players to me to monitor because he's the perfect example of that all development curves aren't linear. In fact, most aren't. Yeah. And he is yeah. that player. He is that player. So excellent tournament for him. And I'm sure Montreal's thrilled. I like him on the wall on the right 
Like he's a right-handed shot in the right. And he might be one of those guys who is, it doesn't happen very often, but he's a playmaker off the wall and just provides a different dynamic of where the play is being generated from, from a playmaking standpoint. Um, you know, and I look back to, I'm not saying this is a comparable to this player, but I look back at the player such as Alice Hemsky when he played in Edmonton. And he was more of a playmaker, a skilled playmaker off the wall that was dynamic. And, you know, if Messar can do that, that would be fantastic in terms of what Montreal is looking for. Because Hemsky was, an, you know, an excellent player for, for the Oilers. So I'd be curious to see if he can pull that off. And, you know, he he's going to be playing pro next year because now he's a 20. He just turned 20. This will be the end of his, you know, his junior career. And he's going to go play in Laval. And I know he's got a few, three games in Laval. I got a cup of coffee and then played a couple of games uh, this year. So curious to see what he does with that. But overall, I'm, I'm really intrigued and pleased to see how Slovakia has continued to get better every year. So hope that continues for the tournament. Brad, I'm going to take a short break right after this. Stay tuned. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering all our data and video library, players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're going to talk about some goalies in this tournament. So this is Brad's favorite time. Talk about some goalies in this tournament. I know we did obviously mention one already in Coco, but Let's talk about Adam Gage right off the top. And I thought he did everything he could possibly do to give Slovakia a chance to win in this tournament. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, I thought, you know, in four games he played, he played well enough for them to win every game. You know, he's three and one. You know, he only lost the one game and he had a shutout. Um, it's just unfortunate the way it went in that quarterfinal against Finland. Um, and I know it was a crusher for him because I thought he had enough to like cause an upset and get a medal for Slovakia. 
Yeah, well, he, I mean, he was the, the first goalie taken off the board last last class, so there's a lot to live up to in terms of expectation, and he did that. He was extremely consistent for the most part. There was times where I was like, oh, you know, he's under siege and, and he's he's molten a little bit, but, I mean, one of the reasons he was drafted as high as he was is because of his performance here last year. That put him on the map. I, I remember yeah. uh, talking to, uh, to Mark Edwards. I said, uh, so uh, I've already found something here, and he was like, oh, what is it? And I was like, an overager, Slovakian goalie. He goes, okay, that doesn't matter. I was like, oh, no, it matters. And it turned out to be Mark Edwards' goalie of that class, uh, certainly one of mine. So the, the thing with Diane is that if you break down all the goals he led, goals he led in last year, uh, there was one common theme, and that most of them were high blocker with a winger who was freaking down on his, uh, on his proper wing yeah. and looking for the far side shooting placement. So there has been some modifications there to try to adjust for that. And he's cutting down angles a little differently to adjust for it too. And so that was one of the first things I was, I was looking for because I haven't had an opportunity to see him yet until this tournament. Um, so that, that's, that was interesting to watch. Uh, incredible competitive battler, unbelievably athletic as, as I'm sure all of you who watch know, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where his consistency rates were maybe a little questionable because he didn't play the whole time in the USHL last year. And, uh, you know, you, you want to see you want to see a goalie of this age really dominate junior hockey. You really do. If, if they're going to play in the NHL, that is certainly what you want to see, unless the goalie's super raw in like 6 6 6 7. Uh, and in Guy Ann's case, I think he's done really well in terms of just his consistency rate. His first reads have improved. Uh, there were times where he'd be way too reliant last year on his athleticism and enter a full split, a lateral full split when he didn't need to. You can already see that that's been taken out of his game or dialed down enough out of his game. Um, so th- those are the big things I was looking for, and I was I was pleasantly surprised for the most part. I still find him a little awkward here and there mechanically at times, and I, I still think he's trying to get comfortable with some of the things they're modifying within this game. I'm sure Dan and Co. there in Chicago are trying to modify, uh, but he looks he looked very good. I was very impressed with. Him. Yeah, look, and he's going to go play in University of Minnesota Duluth. Probably going to be there three years. And I think that would be great for him. Play a ton of games, um, really competitive environment, excellent coaching, and. Because there's no no point of rushing a goaltender from that standpoint. So I like I thought he acquitted himself um, really well and um, really deserved an opportunity to get a medal, but didn't happen. Um, but you know, promising young goaltender. Uh, let's talk about Michael Horabel, uh for Chechia, and I know he's a guy that you know you were really intrigued with as well, and he's at UMass coming to this tournament. And you know, you look at his numbers, and he looks like an '80s goaltender. Like you look at the numbers and I'm like, oh my God, did he play in 1985 when they were scoring, you know, six, five games on a regular basis. But at the end of the day, when it mattered, he would, he made the clutch save. He just kept his team in long enough for them to get another goal. Right. It was almost the grand fear thing where don't worry guys. They're just, they're not going to get, they're not going to get five. They may get four goals on me, but they're not going to get five. Just get me five goals and I'll shut the door. And that's what I thought he did because he was like the glove hand was like, Oh my God, was a mess. Um, and you can see it. I just like so many times I went, Oh, like how could you let that in? Um, but he just battled and found a way and got them, got him a, a bronze medal. So, you know, end of the day, it's the results. Now it, I don't like how he got there in some cases, but there's things, things that had to be, had to be cleaned up, but, End of the day, man, what's the number one thing? You got to win games. And he won games. He won the games that matter. 
That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, Riley, well, it's funny. You, you you mentioned the throwback element to him. When he was in Sparta's system when he was 16, he he played like you said, he's goalie at the time. He's very raw, very raw, right? Uh, he's had a tremendous curve that a lot of people don't know about. Like he, he went from a very athletic and raw and technically dysfunctional goalie who had a ton of talent to um, more hybrid, poised, controlled, sealed goalie. And that's hard to do in two years, and he's done it. So uh, I'm very impressed with his development overall, but I am totally with you at this event. He was he was all over the map. You know, sometimes he looked like the goalie I had ranked number one uh, on my list, and other times I was a bit worried, for sure. Yeah, you know, it, you mentioned earlier, it's like uh, it's times for me to get to evaluate this. Honestly, it's, it's stressful anything because I get to find out how wrong I am. It's it's never fun as a scout. It's it's part of the job for sure, but it's never it's never as fun as seeing that the the, the players work it out for you. So definitely up and down. But uh, you know, Guyan, Rabel, you see why they're drafted so high. You, you see yeah. it, it. They're just there's they have special qualities to them that certainly make them look like NHL stars in the future. Yeah, and you know he's going to take this. And the crazy thing is, he can come back next year. He's 18. You know, sometimes we sort of forgot about that. Like he's an 18 year old. So. I'm looking forward to seeing him come and play in Ottawa for next year's World Juniors for the Czechs, and he's going to give him a chance to win again, and it's good on him from that standpoint uh, to be able to go through this and just get, you know, smacked around a little bit. He had some challenges, and I wanted to see how he reacted to that, and he could have folded, and he found a way for his team to get through the quarters, into the semis, into a bronze medal game, and then win a bronze medal. He just found a way to get the win. In the end of the day, that's what matters, is finding a way you're, to help your team win when you're not playing your best. Because there were some st- sleeky, stinky goals that happened on his watch. But like I give him credit. You know, at the end of the day, it's about winning. Uh, thoughts about uh, Matthias Rousseau for Canada? Because coming into the tournament in our preview show, Give Jason Buchel a lot of credit because I didn't know who was going to start. And you said, I'm not sure who's going to start. And he said, and Jason said, well, I think it's going to end up being this Rousseau kid out of Halifax. He's played exceptionally well for them this year. And he has, he's a 934 save percentage, you know, but he's not a big kid. He's 5'11". You know, he might be 175, 180 pounds soaking wet, but I thought he played well enough for them to win games. Like, I don't think he was the problem. I mean, I don't think he was like outstanding and stole games, but he, I think he played enough for well enough for Canada to win games. I mean, a nine twelve save percentage and two goals against average. So in the five games he played, so that should be enough for you to get you into a medal round. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start off by correcting you. I, I had it wrong. I thought Scott Rasslaff was going to have to start in order for Canada to have success, and I, I had not seen him. I don't I don't uh, scout the queue unless I'm brought in uh, on our staff. And so I, I had, did not know this, but I knew Sam was St. Hilaire because I was tipped off of the potential draft, but Russo was, that was not the case. So I, I went in blind and, and to Jason's credit came on the show and said, Hey, he was the best in camp. I think they're going to go with him. And Jason was right. Uh, and I was wrong. They didn't, they didn't need uh, rats laugh to win. The, the thing that reminded me, uh, he reminded me so much of Dustin Tukarski when Tukarski yeah. was at the twenties, he, he had that high energy. He was that, he wasn't a calming presence like you would normally expect or want a goalie to be instead he was he almost had the Gavin Brindley effect he brought energy to Canada 
Yeah. He, he he made some huge important saves and then just just gave Canada enough enough gas to enough confidence to try to get to get over the, the the hump there when they were down and out. I mean the body language of Team Canada. Let's just say it as it was. It was not very good, and I felt Russo uh, did a good job of trying to stabilize that effect. Yeah. Uh, and you can't ask for more than that from from a goalie who's never been in this position. This is a huge pressure cooker situation for him. He's on Team Canada. It doesn't matter if this is. He's yeah. inexperienced. Doesn't matter if, if someone like me doesn't even know who he is. This is a huge pressure cooker. And he he not only uh wanted to be there, he was fighting every, every anytime he needed to put up a fight, he did. And you can't ask for more. He I thought I thought he was fantastic. He, I thought he was very impressive to him. He did his job. He did his job, right? I think he played well enough for the team to win. And they just couldn't generate generate enough goals from that standpoint. Um, is there any other goaltender that we haven't I mean, clearly we didn't talk about um, Halavid in Sweden or the American goaltenders because mm. they were both great. And for and that's the other thing, you got to give Halavid a lot of credit for that because he was a smaller goal, goaltender and he stood on his head and the Americans at the end just sort of like overpowered the Swedes and, and got through to the gold medal. But man, he, he played great. He played great through the tournament. I was really impressed from from my standpoint. And I'm not, I wasn't shocked by, you know, whether it had been Fowler or Augustine, whoever happened to end up taking the starting role. They're like two of the top best goaltenders in the entire tournament. So it didn't matter. I, from my standpoint, I don't think it mattered much at all. So uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. One more segment left in, in our prospect review of the world junior. So stay tuned. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back for our 2024 World Junior Championship Prospect Review, our last segment. So let's talk about a couple of Norwegians and a German. Uh, first off is Michael Brandsegg Nygaard 
thoughts on him through this tournament. It's interesting when you have upper end talent on a team that doesn't have as much depth of talent comparative to the other team. So they're relied on and they're keyed on and you're wondering how dynamic they're going to be and how much they can like stand out when they're being smothered like that. And I thought I give, I give him a lot of credit. I thought Branson Nygaard in showed flashes of what we thought he could do at this tournament. I mean, he was a point of game player on a team that was just got caved in on many occasions at this tournament. Not surprised, not being mean. It's just like depth of talent that they have to face. And I thought, you know, he showed enough dynamic uh, intelligence and hockey sense and moxie and puck skills to produce some points against some pretty tough competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, this player for me, I, I fall into the minority where I was, this term is very important for me to assess him because I have not liked his game at all in Elsvenskin, and he's been up and down for me in J20. So this this tournament for me was very, very critical, and I thought he passed the test. He, he did well. He did pretty well here. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone listening that, that got to see the tournament, got to watch him, you see the skating base, phenomenal mechanics, everything you look for from a mechanical skating base is there. He's powerful. He's big. Uh, he's very impressive handling ability. He can shoot a puck. He can change the trajectory of his angle in a in blink of an eye. Uh, you saw how he, how he uh, operated on the power play. He's dangerous. He's a very dangerous player. The problem with him in league play so far, and I talked about it in the preview, I'll, I'll bring it up again, is the way he operates within his playmaking windows, he can mistime a lot of his plays. He did a better job at this event overall than I've seen up to this point in league play. And I have a ton of viewings of this kid because he's bothering me a lot. So I had to, I had to really watch him to, to figure out what's going on with him. Uh, but there's, you know, the, the toolkit's tremendous. I love the aggressiveness of him. There, yeah. there is a mentality to him where he wants to take things over. It's super critical. I do believe there's an untapped uh, uh, driving potential tool that that's just not recognized with him in him yet. And, and that goes back to the hockey sense, the playmaking windows. He doesn't seem to evaluate sometimes just how long he can hold on to a puck in order for new plays to develop or materialize. And I think you saw a bit of that here. Some, little, sometimes he rushed things. There was a little was, rush. Sometimes a little rush. But, but you can definitely make devil's advocate to my own statement. You definitely make the point that he wasn't playing with the whole time and he's definitely trying to stand out in the right way because he knows every scout is watching him for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so definitely a good for me if i was to evaluate say constellaneous relative to him i give Brantig nygaard a b plus grade i'd give constellaneous a c grade i i thought i thought nygaard showed up and did very well and um forced me to move him up a bit uh constellaneous put me on again it's one tournament but constellaneous has made me i have to go back and reevaluate what he's going to look like here for the rest of the season in the liga and, and uh in his international performances but Brantig nygaard came as advertised the playmaking windows, when he operated with them correctly, that's when he looks like a real, real good player. It's just how much consistency uh, will there be when he goes back to the Elfenskin or when he's playing for more in J20. Let's talk about Stan Solberg. I thought he played a throwback style of game where he banged and crashed and was reliable defensively in a lot of circumstances where he played a ton of minutes played 25 minutes and in a lot of back-to-back circumstances like in context by that fourth game the kid was out of gas he had played 25 minutes a game he played his fourth game in five nights and 
I'm okay and I can forgive mental errors when you play that many minutes in that many tough circumstances. We're gonna you gotta face the top lines of every team. You're gonna make mental errors because you're running out of gas. And those your and that's decisions. So you're going your decisions are gonna falter. But what I can't forgive is making good choices and having effort. And he never showed once. He never backed down. He always battled. He showed lots of hustle, um, banged and crashed, and forced guys to like pay the price. And so, and his and his personality never wavered. And he had great body language. So for me, I kind of describe him as a foxhole player. He's the guy you want in a foxhole with you. You know, when things get tough, because you know the effort's always going to be there, and he just got subjected to playing too many minutes and having too much on his shoulders. And by the time he got to that fourth game and to that fifth game, particularly the fourth game, he had started to run out of gas mentally because he would play too many minutes. And, you know, some he made some errors that I for, could forgive because I understand the context and the circumstance that he played in. And I went down and talked to him. One of the best interviews I've had in the last five years. Engaging, intelligent, funny, extremely self-aware. I said, I said to him, oh, so you kind of like mixing it up? He goes, yeah, I like hitting people. And I like banging bodies. And I don't want anybody around my net. And then, you know, they sometimes get a little, you know, whiny about it. And they get in my face. And I just tell them off. And then I laugh at him. And his English was perfect. It was like he grew up in Toronto. Um, it was impressive. Um, and very casual in his body language when talking to us. So overall, I thought him as a draft-eligible player, there's something there that you can appreciate. I don't know about his offensive upside. Mm, I'm still going to like have to evaluate that, but certainly he brings the other elements to the game. Yeah, to your point, the offensive ceiling is the question mark. He's He has shown in flashes more offense than you would think when he's in his Norwegian uh, pro yeah. league. He's, there are moments where you go, oh, this, this could really translate uh, and become a two-way defenseman at a given time. Right now he looks more like, I, I remember saying this during the preview show, he looks a lot like Jet Wu meets Simeon Chistikov. Uh, very physical, very tenacious. As you mentioned, the foxhole element. He is a playoff. He is the type of player you absolutely want to bring to a playoff series. Um, the big thing for me in this tournament was just to see uh, how he would retrieve, just see his exit playmaking and his consistency rates. And for the most part, I thought he held really well. I, I was pretty impressed with him. Um, but yeah, I wish there was a little more that he showed at the line, to your point. I wish he showed a little more offense, but uh, the base the base was there and he displayed it. And I, I put my neck out on the line because not many people know about him. And I uh, I mentioned we have him pretty high. We have him in the top 32 of our list. I have him as a, one of my last A-rated players, which is still up for debate. We'll see how that goes down the stretch. But um, there's a whole lot there. Just the throwback, the tenacity, the, the hit rates. the And, and the one thing that uh, you mentioned previously, we should mention it again here, is despite being as tenacious as he is, he very rarely takes bad penalties. Almost yeah. never. Yeah. And that's super important because uh, that's you, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. He's got a ton of poise to him. He's confident. And uh, a very interesting prospect. Very interesting prospect. Well, let's finish off with Julian Lutz and uh, with him and the show. Thoughts on his tournament because he was another player that everything was on his shoulders offensively um, from that standpoint, and that it was it was tough on him. Like he got two points in five games, but the opposition knew if we can smother him and take him away, um, the Germans don't have much of a of a chance in in games. But give them credit because that group came up and they played a couple tenacious games that surprised a lot of people. So I give the Germans a lot of credit. 
They were better than expected for sure. I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I, I expected Julian Lutz to to need he needed to have a Brian Signigard style of performance in order to to really give his ch- team a chance. And I, I'll be honest, I felt he I felt he looked uncomfortable. I don't know what was going on with me. He's looked pretty good in Green Bay. He's like you know he yeah. he's one of those prospects who absolutely needed a change of scenery. He he had no business being the DL. He was getting limited minutes, even though he's an excellent organization in in Munich. Uh, comes over, he's starting to get twenty minutes a night in Green Bay. He's really starting to go, uh, to get going, and I just felt like his best performances there were, weren't here. The, the the best performances in Green Bay those those did not show up. Um, so a disappointing performance for him. Um, but as you mentioned. Uh, it it's one of those situations doesn't have a lot to work with and tried to do a little too much when when he did have the puck I think so you know up and down up and down but that's Julian Lewis Julian Lewis a very difficult evaluation as a player you know and that's some of the things that we always have to keep mindful of is the environment they're playing in who their line mates are who the players are around them you know the other teams aren't dumb they're going to target him you know how much can he push through and you know be a dynamic player and sometimes you you can do it and sometimes you can't and um i try not to judge players too harshly on that because that's a difficult situation i always like okay could i take this star player from us or sweden and put him in that situation and how would they do right or how would julian lutz do if he's on the swedish team right on a second line or on you know that third line of the american team or on the second line of the canadian team what would happen then Right. You know, so, you know, I try to balance that the best we can, you know, best we can and try to put them in different situations and not hammer them too hardly, particularly when they're young in these situations. So, but it's been uh, another edition of Hockey Prospect Radio. Thank, thanks to all our listeners. I'm glad everyone enjoyed the World Junior Championships. Next year we are in Ottawa. Should be a fun time. And so stay tuned for next week and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat. Every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with Sports Code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all in one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com.